What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Welcome to the Infinite Spark of Bean podcast. My name is Keith Welsh. You may notice the lack of intro music and the lack of compression and EQ. And that is because I am trying to stick with my every Friday rule and um, I fucked up. Uh, <laughs> I didn't realize what day of the week it was, if I'm honest. And um, so I'm doing this on the fly, even more on the fly than usual. So anyway. Uh, but in this episode, I'm going to talk about trauma. Um, so to start at the top, remember, the mind reminds the body how to feel. And the mind does that through symbols, the subconscious mind specifically. Um, the word trauma is uh, tricky and weird because there are traumatic things that happen that don't traumatize us. Things that, you know, on paper, most people would go, yeah, this sounds like a traumatic experience. But that's them, you know, uh, projecting their needs and wants into it. And, you know, uh, and someone else comes along and goes, yeah, it's bad. I wouldn't call it traumatic, though. You know what I mean? So, and there's things that happen to you that on one hand, you're like, man, that was really bad. But for whatever reason, you don't feel bad. Like, you don't. You know, and some, you know, therapist with an alphabet behind their name is going to come along and tell you disassociated or that you're numbing or whatever. You might just fucking be okay. You know, you might be okay with the logic of the situation. It sucks, but for whatever reason, your nervous system isn't telling you to freak out. Um, Then it's possible for things that um, are uh, not necessarily traumatic that most people would look at and be like, well, I wouldn't call this a traumatic experience, but they do have a tendency to stick with you and then affect your behaviors. Um, And those things happen all through life and whatever. So I like the term that, uh, to my best knowledge, was coined by John Connolly, the creator of Rapid Resolution Therapy, um, which I will be doing the next episode on. he uses the term stuck data. And I like that term as well because a lot of people don't consider what happened to them to be traumatic. They feel weird talking to, uh, talking to someone about it in the context of it being trauma. So stuck data is just a good word for us to kind of explain what the hell's even happening. Um, so we're going to use the term stuck data and trauma and you'll know what I'm talking about. So Um, think of it, uh, like I said, you know, the mind reminding the body how to feel, and it's doing that through a series of symbols. Life is symbols that tell our nervous system to respond. Um, you know, you, you see, uh, somebody you love and you feel a certain way. I see that same person and I don't really feel anything. Um, And I have talked about this before on the other trauma podcast episodes, but here we are again. 
So let's say that there is a zebra, and a lot of this is, uh, I'm being very facetious at times and exaggerating, but hopefully the point I'm trying to make is coming across. But you have this zebra, and the zebra looks over and it sees a lion. And in the mind of the zebra, that lion symbolizes threat. So the mind of the zebra goes, oh, there's a threat, and it sends a signal into the body of the zebra to put energy into the zebra's legs so that the zebra can run and get away. Um, And this is, you could add, so to speak, after everything I say, but so the zebra runs away, and uh, we uh, meet the zebra at a watering hole. And I go, holy shit, Mrs. Zebra, I can't believe that that lion was chasing you. That's so crazy. I can't believe you got away. And Mrs. Zebra would look at me and go, what are you talking about? She'd look around and she'd say, there's no, there's no lion chasing me right now. And I'd say, no, 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 no. Uh, It's not chasing you now, but it was. And Mrs. Zebra would look around and go, I, I'm sorry, but I, I don't see a lion. Because in the mind of the zebra, if the threat isn't happening right now, then uh, it's doesn't the threat doesn't exist, and that doesn't mean that a zebra forgets what a lion is and that a zebra is caught off guard every time it sees a lion. No, it just means that it's um, it just doesn't need all of that right now. It doesn't need all that energy to expend that energy, etc. So, I mean, and we see that when we watch like, you know, a nature documentary and you see predator and prey all gathered at the same watering hole and everyone seems to be cool with it, right? Now, let's say I get chased by a lion and somehow I get away and I'm alive and I meet you at the watering hole and you go, holy shit, Keith, I can't believe that lion chased you and my hands would be shaking. My heart would be racing. Oh my God, I know that's so crazy. I can't believe that happened. Now, what's happening in that moment, so the mind compares and contrasts information. All the mind does is projects itself and its own interest into each situation. So when I was talking to the zebra and I was like, holy shit, I can't believe that happened. That's my mind projecting onto her what it would feel like you know, oh my God, it would terrify me to be chased by a lion. But the zebra isn't having the same response because the zebra's not doing that. Now, if I get away from the lion and you do that to me, you are projecting your fear of being chased by a lion onto me, which makes sense. And then I am, my mind is still back there. What if, oh my God, it could have happened. This is what could have happened. Holy shit, right? And you see that a lot with people. Um, there, uh, yesterday I did an RRT session with a woman who the biggest part of the whole event was, um, that she didn't know where her children were, but they were safe. But in her mind at the moment during the event, she didn't know where they were. She freaked out. It was terrifying. And, but her mind was so stuck on that and couldn't process that event that it stuck with her. And then when she even thought about the prospect, you know, and this was on top of a bunch of other stuff, but it was just one of those things that shows that like, it doesn't necessarily even have to happen for it to be a traumatic event. Think about that for something to get stuck 
and to affect your behavior and the feeling in your body, it doesn't even necessarily have to happen. You know, um, I had a session with a gentleman one time where, you know, he had been shot and we moved that event into the left side of his brain so it no longer was affecting him. But then he goes, you know what really gets me is the what ifs. And then we had to process the what ifs. It's, it's interesting, right? Um, so I get away and you're freaked out and I'm freaked out and we're just bouncing off each other. Uh, and then you say to me, you'll be okay. Uh, maybe time heals all wounds. You'll forget about it in time, et cetera, et cetera. All the dumb shit we say to people when we are uncomfortable with what could have happened to them or what did happen to them. So we say things like that. And in your mind, I mean, bad things happen to you and you don't think about them every day. So you must have forgotten about it. And, and here I am doing the same thing. Like, yeah, you're probably right because there's bad things that happen to me and I don't think about it every day. And so I must have forgotten about it, but that's not what's happening. Right? So I agree with you and I say, yeah, you're probably right. And we part ways and you don't see me for some time. And then one day you see me and I look like I haven't slept. I've gained a lot of weight. Um, I look really bad. You know, we see these people, right? You see people that, you know, they used to look great and now they look horrible. And uh, you go, man, Keith, are you okay? And I say, no, no, I'm not okay. I can't seem to sleep. Uh, when I lay down to go to sleep, I feel very antsy and my mind starts to race. And it, you know, I start thinking about whether the door's locked, is the stove on, did I send that email, was that a weird text message, oh my God, I can't believe that happened in sixth grade, oh my God, what about second grade, I start thinking of things and I just have to get up. I get up and I watch TV, I go for a walk, I, right, until I just kind of fall asleep but I never really get restful sleep. And then I let you know, well, I've also stopped running um, because, you know, uh, you know, I used to love running. I ran for pleasure. It was so much fun. And now when I try to run, I'll be okay for a bit, but then something happens that just, I start to feel really uncomfortable. Uh, especially when I try to run with a partner, you know, I'll try to run with a partner and, and it'll be good for a little while, but then they'll say or do something that just makes me really uncomfortable. And I just kind of don't want to run with them anymore. So I just don't really run anymore. And then I let you know, I've also started having panic attacks. And, you know, it all started, uh, I went to this play, and I'm watching this play, and the guy to my right is eating popcorn really loudly, and the guy to my left is on his phone. And it's just so irritating. I was so fucking annoyed, man. Like, I, like, I couldn't catch my breath. I felt like I was either going to puke or shit my pants and my vision got really sparkly and then I started to get tunnel vision. Oh my God, I just had to get out of there and go get some oxygen, you know? And uh, so I told my therapist and my therapist sent me to a psychiatrist because my therapist says I have social anxiety disorder. You know, I have PTSD, but she doesn't know from what. And, you know, and the psychiatrist gave me these pills and... Now my, I don't know, my dick doesn't work and I can't fucking sleep. So, you know, here we are. This is my life. And uh, you think, well, that's horrible. Uh, you know, you do all, the, you do all the, the requisite, you know, you recommend meditation, yoga, melatonin, vegan diets, all the shit that we say to each other to 
oh, well, it must be this. And I read an article about that, blah, 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 right? Um, anyway, so what's happening is this. Sometimes events are too much for the mind to process and they get stuck. Now, uh, <clears throat> there's some debate over this. I don't necessarily, I, I tend to believe uh, in the idea that, um, that the right side of the brain is all of our feelings and the left side of our brain is all of our logic. Uh, and a lot of people, myself included, consider traumatic experiences to be a memory problem. Uh, and you could, uh, so imagine this, and again, add so to speak after all this, but imagine that this lot, that me being chased by a lion was so intense uh, that my mind didn't know what to do with it. And uh, so the event got stuck in the right side of my brain, in my subconscious. So essentially, it's like this lion event is playing on a loop in the right side of my brain, in my subconscious mind, where I'm unaware of it. Um, it's not like I think about it all the time. I don't think about it when I can't sleep. I wasn't thinking about it when I was running, and I wasn't thinking about it when I had a panic attack. And let's say before I was chased by a lion, I was a perfectly relaxed person. But then I got chased by a lion and it, you know, I went from a zero to a 10, but I never really went back to a zero. I kind of hover around a five or a six as far as tension in the body goes. And that five or six just becomes normal for me. That just, that's just how I feel all the time. Um, so let's look at this. Um, if that's the case, uh, we have the lion event being played on a loop in my subconscious and the right side of my brain. And on top of that, the mind and body only want to survive and thrive to make more bodies. Well, then the last thing that that system wants me to do is go to sleep. If I go to sleep, I'm not alert. If I'm not alert, I'm going to get, I'm going to get killed by this lion. So it needs me to be alert. And there are certain thoughts that uh, get my attention, like uh, stoves on, doors unlocked, did you send that email, was that a weird text message, uh, events from second grade, events from sixth grade, like that kind of stuff um, starts to come up because the mind knows that I will respond to it and the, the, the body will then feel alert, it'll be hyper alert because of these events. So. So it won't let me sleep. And it's not like I actively thought about, you know, the lion event. It was just, you know. Now, um, let's say that, uh, um, so that's happening. It's preventing me from sleeping. Now there's the running piece. And the running piece I really want you to hear. Okay. So running was something that I, I don't even know what's happening right now. This dumb fuck. Um. Like, I don't understand. I, you know what? I love South Florida in some ways. In other ways, I, you could literally just fucking torch it. Um, I don't know what's wrong with people. So, um, uh, let's look at the, uh, the running piece. Now, running was something that I enjoyed doing, right? I liked it. It was fun. Um, I, I had found pleasure in it. And then one day, I was forced to run when I didn't want to. 
I was forced to run and my life was in danger, right? Now, when I try to run for pleasure, my mind reminds my body how to feel about running and I still want to run, don't get me wrong, I want to, but every time I try to, I feel so bad. Um, Some of you experience this with intimacy, right? Intimacy is something that you enjoy, it's something that you want, but maybe one day you're forced to be intimate when you didn't want to be intimate, and now when you try to be intimate, It is okay for a period of time, but then sometimes things happen. Someone says something, someone moves a certain way, the light changes, who knows? And then your your nervous system turns on and you're triggered, you know? And it's very frustrating because you want to run. You want to be intimate. You want to enjoy the thing that you enjoyed. So that explains that. Um, Now the play. I'm at this play. Now, granted, somebody chewing popcorn and somebody, uh, you know, being on their phone are very annoying things, but I shouldn't feel like I'm going to die. And that's essentially what a panic attack is. A panic attack is there's something, there's some data in the subconscious that the subconscious has decided is dangerous. And it goes, this is like this thing. So we need adrenaline and cortisol. Then you feel like you're in danger but it doesn't necessarily make sense. That's all in the subconscious, but then your conscious mind starts looking around for something to blame. So it goes, oh, it must be this asshole chewing popcorn and this guy on his phone. And you know, your conscious mind knows you're not going to die. So it just considers it just a massive irritation. You get anxious around stupid people. I hate people. I don't want to be around people, blah, 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 blah. So what play was I at? I was at the Lion King. Now, my conscious mind knows that a man in a leotard with a headdress on is not actually a lion. There's nothing to be afraid of. But the subconscious mind, and I'm being facetious, the subconscious goes, looks like a duck, quacks like a duck, that's a fucking lion, we're all going to die. Okay? Um, There's a great Neville Goddard quote. The subconscious mind does not care about the truth or falsity of your feeling. It accepts as true that which you feel to be true. Uh, You could swap out the word feeling for perception. The subconscious mind does not care about the truth or falsity of your perception. It accepts as true that which you perceive to be true. So put a pin in that for a second and let's talk about making a salad. I'm making a salad. I'm washing my vegetables and the water is going down the drain. Everything's fine. It's okay. But then I decide that I want to put a cucumber and a carrot in my, uh, in my salad. So I start peeling a cucumber and peeling a carrot and, but the skin gets stuck. Oh my God. I fucked up the whole thing. (laughs) Told this so many times back to my salad. I'm washing vegetables. The water's going down the drain. It's all fine. I decide I want to put an avocado in this fucking salad. Uh, if I did already say this, I apologize. Bear with me. This traffic is making me insane. I'm trying not to yell into, uh, my earbuds at everyone like I did a minute ago, but this is fucking insane. Um, so I pit the avocado. I put the pit in the drain. Now the water that was once going down the drain has slowed down drastically, right? Um, the water has slowed down, but it's not enough for me to do anything about it. Right. It's like 
uh, when you were at a zero before you, I was chased by a lion, but then after or during my lion chase, I was at a 10, but then I kind of settle at a five or a six. It just becomes my normal state. It just becomes, it just, it becomes how I am. You know, when someone says, well, I'm just an anxious person. So the avocado pit has slowed the water down, but it's not enough for me to do anything about it. Now I decide I want to put a cucumber and carrots in my salad. And so I peel them and the skin from this vegetable, these two vegetables get stuck around the avocado pit. It clogs the drain completely. I look at this mess and I go, well, I guess I can't have carrots and cucumbers because it clogs my drain. The man to the right eating popcorn too loud as carrots. The man to the left on his phone is cucumbers. The avocado pit is that I'm in the presence of something that looks like a lion. Again, that's obviously an exaggeration, but that's pretty much how it works. You know, the mind is reminding the body how to feel about these things. You know, um, it's, uh, it's telling you how to feel. I saw a great meme yesterday of a, a nervous system outside of the human body, and it looks like an alien. And he goes, this monster lives inside of you, and it tells you what to do all day, which I thought was insanely um, accurate. But that's how trauma works. That's how stuck data works. And you can see where, like, you know, certain things aren't necessarily traumatic, but they're not great. Um, an example for me, I... I you know, of something that stuck with me that wasn't necessarily a traumatic experience, but it definitely changed my behavior was, you know, and uh, if my ex-wife is listening to this, um, <laughs> uh, sorry to air this one out. It doesn't make you look great, but here we are. Um, <laughs> so uh, I don't know that she even listens to this. She didn't give a shit about what I was doing. We were married. I don't know why the fuck she's taking interest in it now. Um <laughs> But um, let's say, uh, so it was like 2008, 2009. Um, at some point, you know, the economy was falling apart. The mortgage that we had wasn't bad. It was fine. But my work was going away and it was harder to get work. Um, and I called Countrywide Mortgage and um, I said, hey, you know, in October, which was two months away, I go, in October, I'm going to have trouble making my mortgage payment. Is there anything we can do to adjust it? And they said, well, you know, you're not uh, in danger of going delinquent. I, they said, you're still in good standing. I said, I understand that. That's why I'm calling you because I'm not going to be. And the woman let me know that I had to be 90 days delinquent in order for... Um, them to do anything about it and my reply was well if it's if in 30 days I'm going to have trouble in 90 I will and she said well you probably apply she goes you probably qualify for help for homeowners so we decide to go 90 days delinquent see what would happen uh, because I mean you couldn't pay it anyway so you might as well save the money which did not get saved um, instead she got spent on something else probably Anyway, um, so uh, they let us know that we did not qualify for help for homeowners. Why? Because our mortgage, I'll tell you why, to be honest, because we understood how to use a calculator when we got our mortgage. This help only helps people that didn't have the sense to use a fucking calculator and to not live beyond their means, which we were well within our means, but, you know, shit happens. So, um, 
we are sitting there in the living room trying to decide whether to go short sale, foreclosure, or deed in lieu of. I'm sitting on one section of the sofa. The sofa's in L-shaped, and she was sitting to my left on another section. I had three jobs at the time. I was a banquet waiter, a bouncer, and a graphic designer. And she had one job. She was the office manager in an office with no employees. And uh, I was sitting there and she goes, you know, what if you got a fourth job? She wanted me to get a fourth job. And I uh, actually thought about it because due to my upbringing, it was you just grind it out until you die. Um, A man does this and a man does that and da, 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 da. And this is, and you know, my parents had ideas and they downloaded them onto my little hard drive. And then I carried that with me into adulthood. And I looked at her and I go, I don't know when or how I could do that. And she goes, it's not, it's like you're not even a fucking man. That's what she said to me. It's like you're not even a fucking man. And the worst part about that moment, and to be honest, we're both under a lot of stress and, you know, we probably weren't being our best selves. Uh, I thought she was correct. Um, I believed her because I was fucked up. And um, I had the same belief system. And so what happened was it's not like I, you know, got mad at women and thought, ah, they're bitches and I am a man. Like, I thought, yeah, she's right and that's how women feel about it and I'll never be enough and I'm not enough and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And that led to some behavior that was hurtful for me. It led to a self-concept and a belief system and an ego structure around myself that was not good. And, uh, you know, it sucked, man. Now, was that a traumatic experience? Absolutely not. That's not trauma. In fact, if I didn't have the belief system I had that my parents had downloaded that on, that that my parents had downloaded onto me, she may have said that and I would have looked at her and like, get the fuck out of my face. You know what I mean? Like, fuck you. But I didn't. I thought she was right. She's right. Uh, I'm not. I'm not a man. Um, You know, and anyway, so it was fucked up, but it stuck with me for a long time in that era of my life, losing that house and going through all of that and the bankruptcy and all it, it fucked with me because I knew what she thought of me and, um, you know, she would say that she just wanted to be taken care of and I couldn't take care of her. And uh, yeah, it hit me pretty hard. So it wasn't trauma, but it stuck with me. And it took a long time to clear that out. I would say right now that does not affect me. And I know that that is not uh, what she said wasn't true. But, um, you know, we were both pretty sick. So we said and believed things that were crazy. And that's just how that goes. So that's an example of Something that's not traumatic, but it was sticky, right? It stuck with me, and uh, it affected my behavior. So, um, this, I hope, made sense to you guys as to, like, how trauma or stuck data works and what it is. Um, I hope it made some sense. Uh, Sorry that the production is even lower than normal. Um, But, you know, I wanted to get this out there because I will be talking about rapid resolution therapy, otherwise known as RRT in the next episode, which is something I've really wanted to talk to you guys about for a while. Um, anyway, uh, 
you know, if you want to support this, you want to help me out, go to theinfinitesparkofbeing.com where you can uh, buy shirts, books, prints. um, Patreon is there. Venmo, if you want to just give me an attaboy. (laughs) Anyway, uh, we've known each other for millions of years. I love you. Call me. Bye. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.